All right. Well, from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Thank you. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light was to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which, which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Thank you. That's perfect. Brilliant. Uh, welcome. It's great to uh, be with you together uh, this afternoon. Uh, a few years ago, I finally got to fulfill one of my lifelong dreams. Uh, I got to wear the famous red suit, got to put on the famous white beard, got to stuff a cushion up my jumper, uh, a slightly smaller cushion than I was imagining, but hey, there you go, that's middle-aged bread for you. And I got to pretend to be Father Christmas. I got to stand in for him at a primary school Christmas fete. It turns out, actually, it's quite easy pretending to be Father Christmas. Basically, when uh, children and their parents or carers walk in, you just go, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. You do a bit of small talk, ask them how they've been. And then, of course, as you're pretending to be Father Christmas, you ask the killer question. And what do you want for Christmas this year? Now, so at this moment, there's real a note of peril enters the room. Because you can see the parents or carers shifting a little bit uneasily at this moment, not quite sure how the conversation's going to go. So their beloved child says something like, well, I want an Xbox One with a Fortnite console in it that you know retails on Amazon, according to my research, for roughly £190. At that moment, you can, if you're pretending to be Father Christmas, uh, be naughty, and you can say, well, I'm sure we can arrange that. And you watch the colour drain from the parents' faces as they realise Christmas is going to cost them a little bit more than they first imagined. Or you can be nice and you can say, well, we'll have to see. I'm sure you'll be very grateful for what you get and your parents have got you something wonderful to play with on Christmas Day. And you can see the gratitude flood the parents' faces. They realise that they're not going to have to rush out to the shops and the present they've bought their child is going to be wonderfully and gratefully received. So it turns out, even when you're pretending to be Father Christmas, you have to decide if you're going to be naughty or nice. 
Now, why am I telling you this story? Well, simply to illustrate that that question, what do you want for Christmas, is actually a great one. And it's one that I want to ask you this evening. What do you want for Christmas this year? But not from a loved one, not from your friends, not even from members of your family. This evening, what do you want for Christmas from God? Now, maybe even asking that question sounds strange to your ears. Maybe you're here this evening and you're convinced that there isn't a God. This world is all there is. It's unnecessary to believe in God now to explain our existence. All we can know is what we can see, touch, taste and experience through our senses. Maybe you're here this evening and you're suspicious about God. If he is there, well, frankly, his actions seem a little bit troubling given the state of the world, especially in these crazy times of Brexit negotiations, Trump's tweets and drones disrupting flights at Gatwick Airport. Maybe you're here, though, and you're not sure there is a God. You're kind of on the fence of that, but there's just a sneaking suspicion in your heart that God might be playing some sort of cosmic game of hide-and-seek with you, deliberately staying quiet to confuse you and leave you in the dark. Or maybe you're here this evening, and you're open to the possibility that there is a God, but in your mind, it's all a little bit blurry, a little bit fuzzy around the edges, a little bit kind of shapeless and unformed. Can I suggest that, that if, if that in any way describes you this evening, surely what we want for Christmas from God is some evidence then that he really is there, that, that he really is interested in us. Some proof that God is good and generous and kind some demonstration to fill in that mental picture of God that we might have that means we're no longer in the dark. And that's good news because the Bible's claim is that that is exactly what has happened at the first Christmas when Jesus was born into our world as a baby. We see that in the words from John's Gospel that Marco read for us a few moments ago, John's eyewitness accounts of the life and death of Jesus, recorded for us in the Bible. And John wants us to see and think that at that first Christmas, God has come close to us in Jesus to answer those questions that might be buzzing around our minds this evening. And to help us see that, we're going to think for a few minutes about those verses that Marco read for us. And I hope that what I say will help you tonight answer that question, what do you want for Christmas from God? And for that to happen, we need to realize that John tells us about Christmas, firstly in terms of a problem and then a solution. Firstly, in terms of a problem, right at the end of that reading, John almost sneaks it in as the punchline, a fundamental human problem in verse 18. This is what he says. He says, no one has ever seen God. That's it. That's his problem. John tells us that if we're left to ourselves, none of us naturally can really and truly know what God is like. We've never seen him, after all, John says. That makes sense. That's because God's not part of the world order. He stands outside it. Uh, in 1961, Yuri Gagarin, the famous Russian uh, cosmonaut, was the first man into space. And when he came back to Earth, he was interviewed about his, his experience of that. And he famously said these words. He said, when I was up there, I looked and looked and looked, but I didn't see God. But he wouldn't, would he? God is beyond this world. No one has ever seen God, John tells us. But, but of course, that doesn't stop people thinking about God, does it? It just means that people start guessing about him. 
And plenty of people do that, coming up with all sorts of different ideas about the question of who God is and what God's like. You could walk out of here this evening and go up to 50 different people in Kenilworth, and you'll probably get 50 different answers to that question, who is God and what, God, what, what is God like? And that's precisely the problem. None of us on our own can know for certain. It's part of the reason instinctively as humans we feel disconnected from God in some way, distant and and separated from him to some degree. Or maybe we sense in moments that God is there. When we see a beautiful sunset and we wonder where it came from. Or when we experience some deep joy at Christmas, like having family around our table or giving someone a wonderful present and watching their face light up. And and we wonder why we should feel that way if we're just time plus matter plus chance, which on an atheist view of the world is all you're left with at the end of the day. Or or when we conclude that our lives must matter, and we ask on what basis we can come to that conclusion. But we feel overwhelmed by the sheer number of possibilities on the religious table open to us. Like we might be overwhelmed by the number of Christmas jumpers you can buy this time of the year. I'm a fan of one, you might have noticed. You see, if left to ourselves, we don't know who God is and what God's like. None of us has seen God. John's really honest with us. That's a difficult place to be. That creates all sorts of problems. But wonderfully, doesn't, John doesn't just leave us with the problem of Christmas. He gives us the wonderful solution to that problem that God has given and that's the solution. John, uh, that's the second thing, the problem. And secondly, John tells to us about the solution. You see, God has solved this ignorance we all have of God by a, a figure we meet in John's eyewitness account who he introduces us to under the title, The Word. And maybe you noticed it as it was read out. He's described in exalted terms. In the beginning, we read, was The Word. And The Word was with God. And The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. See, this word has always existed, always been with God relating to him and relating to God as an equal because he actually shares the life of God himself. He is God. So the word knows all about God. He's been relating to him from all eternity. John sums it up in verse 18. The word who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. See, that's the solution to the problem. None of us have seen God, but this word has made him known. That's part of the reason why John calls this figure the word. We use our words to communicate, don't we? I need your help a little bit later on. I've got no ideas what to get my wife Eve for Christmas, so I'm going to need your ideas. I've got a pretty ropey track record when it comes to Christmas presents for, for Eve. I once reached my low point at Christmas where I bought her an inflatable orange rucksack. Genuinely, uh, I get grief to this day, and justly so. That was on eBay quicker than you can say, ho, 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 I can assure you. So I need your help to, to give me ideas, but you can't help me and give me inspiration, and I desperately need it, unless you use your words to communicate and speak with me. That's the idea here. Through this word, God, the creator, is communicating to us. He's got something important to say. And he's spoken to us in a person. See, that's how the word makes God known. Not through sending us a Christmas card about him. Not even through posting a festive message on Facebook. But by coming to earth as a human being. Verse 14. The word became 
flesh and made his dwelling among us. See, this word didn't stay distant or aloof or far off. He came close to show us God. He's come to live on earth among us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas because this word become flesh is the, the, the historical figure of Jesus Christ. Jesus is this word who's become flesh, the one who's always existed, stepping now into human space-time existence, the one who is himself God, entering our world as a real human being. These are truths that are summed up in the carol we're going to sing at the end of our time in a few moments. The, uh, the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, that contains these killer lines that get to the heart of this. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. And Emmanuel just means God with us. Or in John's thought, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You see, the word has come to earth to make God known, to to tell us what God's like, to answer that fundamental ignorance that is at the heart of all of our experience. The words come from heaven so that we can now know as we look at him without a shadow of a doubt that God is there. That God does love us and does want to relate to us. See, God didn't have to come close to us in Jesus. But because he loves us deeply, he wants to communicate with us and not leave us in the dark about who he is and what he's like. Maybe you've been to some Christmas parties this week, or maybe you're looking forward to even a couple more, either this evening or tomorrow. But imagine you're at that Christmas party that you've been looking forward to, but it's not going well. It's that kind of nightmare Christmas party moment where no one really knows anyone else, and they're all kind of struggling to kind of know what to talk about, and they're all kind of shuffling around the buffet in a rather embarrassed, awkward manner. In that nightmare scenario, someone has to go first. Someone's got to step up and get the conversation going. Someone has to break the ice to warm the room up. That is what God has done for us. He's taken the initiative. He's broken the ice. He's introduced himself to us. He sent his word into his world. And that means none of us need to say, I don't know if there's a God. Well, he's shown that he's there by sending Jesus into our world. None of us need to say, I wish God would show himself to me. Because he has done in history, in Jesus. None of us need to say, "Mm, I can't believe in God. Well, why not? It's just a matter of looking at Jesus and investigating him as a real figure of history who makes claims over our lives today. See, this is God's solution to our natural problem, that distance that separates us from him. There is a problem, but wonderfully at Christmas, we see God's solution. The word become flesh. A problem, but a wonderful solution. And as we draw to a close, a response that we're called to. A response. Because if all this is true, what should our response be tonight to the God who sent his word into his world? How should we react to this word who stepped into human existence to make God known? John spells it out for us in verses uh, 12 through to 13. To all who did receive this word, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So John says the response we should make is 
receiving Jesus. That's his language of committing our lives into his hands from now on, of believing in him as one who lived in history but is alive today, able to reconnect us to the God who made us from whom we are estranged. We are called to accept him and the gift he brings so that he might reconnect us to God. And wonderfully, those who receive and respond to the word in this way find themselves incredibly rich. They're welcomed into God's own family. They become his children, dearly loved and brought in, brought home to their maker. Maybe you're looking forward to going home this Christmas. Maybe you have a journey planned tomorrow and you're just looking forward to getting home, being in a familiar surroundings, and just relaxing. Or maybe you wish you were going home this Christmas and you're not for some reason. and That's kind of causing you some pain, upset. Because we love going home at Christmas. We love being in a safe place where we can relax and unwind and, and be who we really are in a far deeper and more profound way today. God offers us a welcome into his very family so we can be the people we were meant to be. We can find peace with him. If we believe and respond to the word, that's what's on offer for us. And we might become incredibly rich as we do that. Richer even than a lady called Thelma Howard Thelma Howard was a housekeeper for Walt Disney for more than 30 years, and she was a treasured member of the family. And every year, Walt would give her an envelope stuffed with bits of paper that, because Thelma was a housekeeper, she didn't really have time to look at, so she just used to stuff them under her bed. Eventually, Thelma died, and her family were going through her possessions, sorting through all the things that she had accumulated during her life, and they found these envelopes under the bed, and they took them out and began to look at them. And it turned out these were shares in the Disney company worth approximately $9 million. That's a pretty good Christmas present, isn't it? That's a good bonus at the end of a hard, work, hard year of work. Well, even that amount of money fades when compared with the riches on offer here. If we come to Jesus, a welcome into God's very family. See, the words come to make God known, to, to show us who God is and what God's like, but... Even more, the word has come to make God knowable. Jesus entered our world at Christmas. We've thought about that. But his story doesn't end at Christmas. It takes him on to the events of Easter, where Jesus dies for us, removing that barrier of ignorance and separation that stops us from having a right relationship with the God who made us. Jesus lays down his life so that we might live. He, he leaves his home in heaven and goes to the cross so that he might bring us to heaven back with him. He enters our world and was cut off so that we might be welcomed in now through him into God's family. Again, as we'll sing in a few moments in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Jesus we sing is born that we no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give us second birth. And all this is a demonstration of God's great love for us. As maybe that most familiar verse in all the Bible says, elsewhere in John's Gospel, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So what will your response be tonight to this word who entered our world at Christmas? 
maybe you're happy to be here tonight, but you're going to leave it there. You're not interested in taking this any further. That's okay. That's your decision. But, but please, don't reject a second-hand Jesus made up of other people's opinions about him that you've just inherited. Before you walk away from Jesus, give him the respect to have a look at him with an open mind, to investigate the claims that he might make. Why don't you pick up a Bible if you've got one at home or come and speak to me and we can get one to you and just spend an hour over your Christmas holiday just reading one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life so that you know the one that you're rejecting. That's a matter of intellectual honesty. Why not do that if nothing else? But maybe you're here tonight and you want to think more about Jesus. This word became flesh and maybe start getting to know him for yourself. Well, that's brilliant. And we'd love to see you back here at our Christmas Day service. There'll be some information about that towards the end. Maybe that's the next step that you could make. Come back here on Christmas Day and think a little bit more about this word who's become flesh at Christmas, as we'll be thinking about on that day. Maybe you've got some specific questions about all this. Well, brilliant. We love questions. Come along and ask them. Come and speak to me afterwards. I'd love to have a natter over a mince pie with you this evening. We're persuaded that the Christian claim stands up to examination and scrutiny and there are honest answers to your honest questions in the Christian faith. Come and ask them. We'd love to talk to you. But maybe tonight some of us are ready to commit our lives to Jesus. We're ready to make that response of welcoming him, of receiving him, of believing in him as John urges us to. Well, if that's you, do you speak to me or someone else who's been at the front tonight? We'd love to explain a little bit more about what that means and how this Christmas you might receive this wonderful gift of the Lord Jesus and all that he means. However you respond, thank you for your attention. Thank you for coming out.